Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And now, O oh Lord, may we praise you with our ears, our hearts, our hands and our feet, all of our lives, as we submit ourselves to your word and, and learn what it means to walk in the fullness of life. Lord God, open up all of us to all of you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was so glad to see the video of that reception Ray and, um, and others, and I'm reminded of 50 years ago, when those returning from Vietnam, many of them received a horrific reception, spit at, yelled at, called baby killers, etc. And these are men and women, many of whom left their limbs and their sanity behind if they got back at all. And so, Better late than never that we thank these, these men and women for their service. And uh, we also are grateful for Pat O'Connor for his service. He's done it for six, 16 times, and he still hadn't figured out what he's doing. But he's, <laughs> we're so grateful for Pat kind of shepherding us into this very special ministry of honor flight. And I was thrilled five years ago to go with Rich Pettingill. And it's, uh, it was a powerful experience and one that I've recounted in sermons along the way as well. So we're grateful for that. And I also this morning, I have to apologize for that video because it was about Jesus, many instances of Jesus getting away to be alone to pray. Oh, it was almost impossible to read those things. But um, at least if we get the point, that uh, that's what it matters because that's really what the sermon is about this morning. I share with you now from the Gospel of Mark. I'm old. From the sixth chapter. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going and Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat, by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized him and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd, and as he stepped out from the boat, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Jesus said, well, you feed them. With what, they asked. We have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, Jesus asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have 
five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. God had his understanding this hearing of his word. So this happens at a time in Jesus' life, in a very brief period of time, where all kinds of stuff has occurred to him. First off, he goes home to his hometown and he's teaching in the synagogue. And people are amazed. Yet he's speaking with authority and they're beginning to ask, well, who are you to say these things? What, by what authority are you doing this? And Jesus kept teaching and they said, now, now wait a second, this is just Joseph's son. My son played soccer with him. He's just a kid. He's just one of us. He's just one of our family. And they literally took him out to the edge of town and they tried to throw him off a cliff. They were so angry at Jesus. So Jesus comes off of that because he's human. Yes, he's fully God, but he's also fully human just as we are. He had to be horrifically disappointed. And he sent his disciples out, sent them out on a missionary tour throughout Galilee. And soon thereafter, he found out that his cousin had been killed. His cousin, John the Baptist, was killed by Herod, who called himself a king. A presumptuous, egotistical man who was into power, it was all about him, all about self. And because John was a threat to him, he, he had him killed. And in a gruesome manner, he had, he had the head of John delivered on a platter while they're all drinking and carousing. And so Jesus, who just just almost got himself thrown off a cliff, now finds out that his cousin has died. The disciples return, and the people are flocking after him. And Jesus has had nothing to eat. The disciples have had nothing to eat. Everyone's getting a little hangry. And, and these people come, and they... And Jesus feels for them. 
He said they're like a sheep without a shepherd. So he takes the time to speak to them and teach them. And then the disciples, in a, in a rather odd manner, tell Jesus what to do. Send them away. Send them away. There are some nearby towns. There are some villages. There are some farmers. We've seen it. There was a Taco Bell in that last place where we went. Send them there. They can get their own stuff. And Jesus responds, well, how much food do we have? He doesn't react to the reactive nature of the disciples. He simply says, how, what have we got? And then you know the story. It's attested to in all four Gospels, the only miracle attested in all four Gospels. He takes the bread and the fish and begins to divide them. And he keeps dividing, dividing. The disciples distribute it. And some 5,000 men and their families were fed. Conservatively, 10 to 15,000 people. And then all of the leftovers were brought back. So from being rejected to learning about his cousin's death to feeding the 5,000, and many of them, as is attested in the other Gospels, are declaring him the Messiah, that he's the one that they're looking for. He's the one that they want to have to be their king. He's the one who will give them free stuff. Jesus tells the disciples to just go ahead, get on the boat and just go ahead. And Jesus goes to pray. He goes to be alone. He goes to be alone because perhaps he's asking a, a very human question of himself. Who am I? What am I? Am I this Messiah or am I some kind of a goat? Am I going to be defined by these voices, by these people? Are we going to, am I going to be defined by the people at home or this crowd that I just left? Who defines me? So Jesus went to be alone, but not alone. He went to be with his father. He went to spend time in solitude. You know, we have two words for being alone. One is alone. The other is solitude. Jesus went into a time of solitude where he could pray or where he could have a time of deep and profound communion with his Father and thereby be centered in who he is and what his calling was. So he spent that time alone and Jesus did this a lot. He did this often. Often at times when he was otherwise viewed as just wildly successful. He would do things like feed the 5,000 and then take off and be alone. Because all those accolades, that's not where it's from. That's not what defines me. People who are trying to kill me, 
That is not what defines me. My identity comes from my calling. Who I am comes from who God tells me I am, from my calling. So he has to have that that time alone. There's a recent book just out, written by an atheist. It's called The God Desire. Even in a highly secularized and secularizing culture, people long for something that is beyond that which we see. There's a deep longing for God. And and a deep longing for the reality of God's people to to be God's people, to be the church. A man named Brian Doyle recently passed away. 2017, he passed away at about 64 years old. He was a fabulous author, published in The Atlantic and all over the place. And I I read his book, A Long Long River of Song, while on the plane traveling recently. And he says, I have learned that church is not a noun, it's a verb. Church is a verb. He said people could care less about all the rules, regulations. Instead, they want something profoundly different. He says, a wild idea in the hearts of millions who are utterly uninterested in authority and power and rules and regulations and very interested in finding ways to walk through the bruises of life with grace and humility. The real longing of millions is not for some organization, not to enter into some structure of rules and regulations, but to enter into a place where where God is alive and his people are free and where somehow we can enter into the high calling of, of God's liberty of what God has in in store for us, to be in touch with his his call in our lives, that we might thereby identify who we really are, who we are called to be, our identity as children of God. So Jesus models this for us. When he spends that time in solitude to to reaffirm who he is, who he really is, despite all the things he does, who he is. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, what we are matters, what we are matters even more than what we do. How many of my actions were done for the right motive? How many for fear of public opinion or desire to show off? How many from a sort of obstinacy or sense of superiority? I cannot, by direct moral effort, give myself new motives. After the first few steps in the Christian life, we realize that everything which really needs to be done in our souls can be done only by God. And so we follow the example of Christ and get away, get to that place of solitude, 
Spend that time with him. And what that means for each person is, is very much an individual thing. What does it mean to really center in on, the, on our relationship with God? That's what Jesus did time and time again. So after my, during my sophomore year at UC Santa Barbara, remember when we played against UCLA, and um, I was on the floor at the same time that Bill Walton was on the floor. Now, I thought I was a good player and all that stuff. But I remember very distinctly getting boxed out for a rebound and looking right into Bill Walton's rear end. <laughs> this man's 6'11", 245, long arms, big hands, about a 30-inch vertical. And I thought, this is not my future. And I had made the mistake when I went to Santa Barbara, because I got the full scholarship, so I had my school paid for. I made the mistake of thinking that college was for an education. So I shifted my thinking from sport to academics. And I was doing rather poorly in those opening years of, of college. But by the end of my sophomore year, I came to the point where I was just, I did not like it. I was getting to the point where I was hating it. And I finally, at the end of that year, I told the coach, I'd rather play with the junior varsity than sit on your bench. I felt like I, I just wanted to play, wanted to have fun. And then about half through, halfway through my junior year, I'm playing with the junior varsity, and it's, it was a lot more fun. There was a lot of pressure was off. And, but I remember thinking, who am I? I thought that the only reason people knew me or liked me was because I was a basketball player. From my days at Poly High School and then starting out at UC Santa Barbara. And so one evening I decided, what prompted me, I don't know, nothing spiritual other than just sort of struggling. I decided to go up in the hills above Santa Barbara. It goes up to about 3,000 feet up San Marcos Pass. And I pulled off and got out and just sat on a rock. And the city was covered in fog, but the lights of the city glowed through the fog. The Pacific was open and clear, looking out onto the Channel Islands, and then there was a full moon setting. And it's not that I felt closer to God, but I felt like I was above it all. I just got above where I was. And it gave me a, a sense of perception. And as I drove down, I thought, I don't know what God has for me, but I can do this and I surrendered my scholarship, gave it up. And I just knew that God would provide, because dad wouldn't. Dad was so cheap, even though I had a full ride, I had to find my way to finish my last year by paying for it myself, which I did. It worked, and, and it was fine. 
And in that last year, I spent an awful lot of time with a youth group at Montecito Presbyterian Church and took them on backpacks and took them up to Forest Home for camp and, and just had a, a deep and profound sense, even as I entered my senior year, that maybe, maybe, God had given a call for me to go into the ministry. And on one of those trips with a bunch of kids up above Mineral King, I went to climb a peak the last day of our, of our trip. Climbed this peak and looked down into a glacial valley on the other side to Mount Whitney, which, which is almost 15,000 feet. And walking down, I thought, I thought I was going to law school, but now I thought, no, I, I think I need to go into the ministry. I think I need to apply to seminaries. And I applied and was accepted and went. And to this day, that sense of calling is one of the most firm pieces of faith that I have. Not because it's been easy, not because I've been successful, but because of what God put on my heart. And I found that on a mountaintop in solitude with him. I didn't realize until after the fact that maybe I was doing what Jesus said to do. Just get away. Get away and center in him. That's the example as we strive to know the mind of Christ. And that is to center our identities in him and his calling for us. Will you join me in prayer? And dear Lord, may we find ourselves hidden in you. And may we know that at all times in our lives, your claim on our life is sure. And inasmuch as we live into that calling, we live life to the full. Give us the strength, O Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.